The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Hope to have a great show lined up for you. Let me tell you, this is the time of the year that really sweetens up racing. Got some great, great racing uh, to look at. And we've got some uh, very good guests today. Uh, our first guest will be Dr. Jim Chapetta, and he is the man behind uh, the nasal strip. And he, of course, as you know, there never really got a chance to see whether or not there was a controversy in the Belmont Stakes because I'll have another did scratch, but they weren't going to let I'll have another wear the nasal strip. And I think you're going to find some interesting things out about the strip as far as its benefits for horses. And I don't really see any downside to it. And I'm sure uh, Dr. Jim will agree since he was the inventor of the strip. A lot of information there. uh, Very interesting uh, to find out about how how it can actually uh, assist a horse in breathing and in some cases actually keep it uh, from bleeding. Our second guest for the handicapping portion of the show will be Brad Free. Those that uh, read the Daily Racing Forum will be familiar with Brad. And he's uh, basically the, the West Coast guy. He knows what's happening out there. And, of course, with Delmar being open now, we've got the Grade 1 Bing Crosby. <clears throat> what a matchup there. You've got Amazombie and The Factor going to go toe-to-toe again. And then... Uh, and the San Diego Handicap, a lot of familiar horses, uh, Kettle Corn, Trey Barachos, uh, Prayer for Relief. Of course, Baffert always loaded for the stakes races out there. Uh, this should be a very interesting race, and I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing Brad's read on that one. And then, of course, the Haskell Invitational, kind of interesting at entry time. Gemologist decided to go over to the Haskell instead of the Jim Dandy which will be the final race that we will uh, handicap on the card. Uh, another one, it's, uh, it's time for the new three-year-olds to make their name, and certainly the door is open. And the reason I say that is Belmont Stakes winner Union Rags has been retired. I was willing to make book on that a week ago here on the air. Uh, owner Phyllis Wyeth has decided to uh, retire Union Rags. Uh, spokesperson uh, Russell Jones uh, stated that uh, the son of Dixie Union was sidelined for the rest of the year after a small lesion in the middle of the suspensory on his left front leg. Uh, the injury was detected last week, and he was training, hoping to go into the Haskell that we'll talk about later. And right now they are searching for a stud deal. Uh, trainer Mike Matt 
Well, he was looking forward to Union Rag's return to the races. Kind of a question there. He declined to comment on the situation other than to refer all questions to Russell Jones. And I'm sure anyone would hate to see such a talented colt depart from their stable. Another horse we won't be seeing this year, but may come back next year. Horse that had a lot of hopes uh, taking the same route as Animal Kingdom into the Triple Crown race. Went the day well, is out for the year due to a bone bruise on his front ankles, according to Team Valor President Barry Irwin. Uh, he said the uh, there's no fractures or chips, but the bruising in front ankles was severe. Of course, this horse uh, began his career in England, and uh, you know Team Valor is known for shopping around for horses there and bringing them back to the U.S. and having uh, a lot of success. Um, Following uh, his uh, win in the uh, spiral stakes, uh, he rallied from 17th to finish 4th in the Kentucky Derby. He was really only beaten two and a half lengths, overlooked at 30-1. to uh, He was bet down to 5-1 to in the Preakness, but never fired, so went the day well, is out for the year. <clears throat> now for some congratulations and a little bit of sorrow, because my good friend Patricia Cooksey, well... She moves to number four on the all-time list of female jockeys. Congratulations to jockey Tammy Paramini. Uh, she became just the fifth woman to reach the 2,000 mark, and she passed Cooksey with her win last week, 2,139. Kind of an interesting life she's led. She's 45 years old. Uh, she only trails uh, the retired Julie Crone and Rosemary Homeister. Of course, Homeister still riding and she's got about a 400-win edge on Tammy. Uh, she was uh, hoping to move up to second. That, that's her determination. Uh, kind of interesting is that uh, she actually stopped to have three children uh, for her agent husband. Uh, of course, those on the East Coast will be very familiar with her. In 2007, uh, Pierre Marini became just the third woman in Suffolk Downs history to win a meet riding title. She's the two-time defending champion at that East Boston Oval, and she's again atop the standings. She's won races at 15 different racetracks over the course of her 28-year career. But, of course, most of them, well, if you go to Suffolk Downs, you've seen her ride and you know that she can win. Speaking of somebody that knows how to win, how about Ramon Dominguez that's been with us here on Winning Ponies? Uh, the reigning two-time Eclipse Award winner is Outstanding Jackie joined Hall of Famer John Velasquez on July 22nd as the only riders in the 144-year history of Saratoga Racecourse to win six races on a single card. Of course, uh, Dominguez, always humble, uh, said, I am very happy to win six races at Saratoga. It's anybody's dream. This is the place you want to do it for sure. Just to recap some of the highlights, uh, of his uh, career uh, back in 2011, uh, he became the first jockey since Jorge Velasquez in 81 to win six races at Belmont Start. <laughs> Belmont Park, the last jockey to win six at an Ira track was Corey Nakatani, who won back in 2011. So Ramon Dominguez, a class act and an outstanding jockey. Well, it's going to be kind of an interesting week. Uh, we've got to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, with Have Another and Union Rags out. Uh, who's going to jump to the top? Well, right away, it sure won't be Bodie Meister. Uh, he's uh, going to be sidelined because of a temperature, and that opened up uh, the door for a stable, my painter, 
to uh, compete this weekend. Of course, tomorrow we've got uh, the $100,000 Curlin, uh, and then uh, we've got the Haskell and the Jim Dandy. It'll be very interesting. Now, Painter uh, is going to take over for his stable mate, has not raced since finishing second, a game second in the Belmont Stakes. According to Baffert, he got hit hard in the hind leg, and he uh, was a little sore for a couple days, but now he's doing fine. Uh, liaison, now he'll be going uh, in the gym dandy. And as we stated earlier, gemologist has opted for the Haskell. He probably would have been the favorite in the gym dandy, but he is going for the Haskell. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on the three-year-old scene. I mean, quite frankly, if, if, if somebody like Doolahan might win the Haskell, though he's never won on a main track, he could be in contention for Horse of the Year honors, depending on where he goes. Now, another horse who kind of changed uh, uh, his uh, road to the Travers Stakes is Hanson. Now, when it got announced that uh, both Bodemeister and Union Rags were not going to be in the Haskell, Mike Maker indicated that he was going to head there. But then I think when all of a sudden he saw some of the other company uh, that was heading there, uh, obviously uh, a gemologist and painter, uh, he said, you know, maybe I'll go to the West Virginia Derby after all. Now, it's kind of interesting. Uh, even though the, the purses differ, uh, the uh, Haskell being a million dollars and the West Virginia Derby is 750 it's not going to make any difference to the connections of Hanson uh, because the way that the West Virginia postures themselves, they award a $150,000 bonus if the winner has already won a grade one race. Of course, Hanson did that last year, winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile while going on to his Eclipse Award winner. And when Hanson shows up at Mountaineer, he's going to show up with a new pilot. Mike Smith will be riding Hanson. Uh, he's going to replace regular rider Ramon Dominguez, uh, who has chosen to honor other commitments on the day. I'm sure Dominguez uh, thought that the... Uh, he was going to be going in the Haskell uh, and probably accepted some other mounts. Of course, uh, the uh, West Virginia Derby will be run next week. And uh, so Mike Smith is going to pick it up. Now, will he pick it up for all time? Uh, it, it's hard to say. If, all, if any of you saw the uh, Iowa Derby, you know that Hanson is sitting on ready. And he's doing the smart thing. He's going to make the same amount of money, and he's going to uh, run into uh, what I would think would be a softer field. Macho Macho will be one of the ones in there. Uh, he's now trained by Steve Asmussen and just had a uh, fantastic workout at Saratoga the other day. And, of course, you always have to uh, look out for Mr. Asmussen. Um, now, uh, again, we, we mentioned that Gemologist is going to uh, leave the Jim Dandy door wide open. It's going to be a very interesting week of racing. And, again, we are going to uh, look at those races with Brad Free coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, it looks like uh, Saratoga is off to a good start, as is Del Mar. A lot of uh, positive signs in racing right now as far as certain trends are considered. And uh, one being Gulfstream Park. They're going to offer the richest stakes schedule in track history this year. Uh, 61 stakes, 33 are graded. And, of course, the grade one Florida Derby is going to be run on March 30th. Uh, now, uh, the Belmont Park report was that the handle went up uh, 13.4% uh, 
uh, not bad at all. Uh, and then, of course, they, even all the other uh, programs that they have there, uh, Naira Rewards telephone wagering was up 17%. Uh, Internet wagering through Naira was up 26%. Kind of interesting, uh, attendance was off 1% at Belmont, but attendance at the Aqueduct Simulcast Center was up 158%. My guess is uh, there may be a lot of casino players or uh, I should say one-armed bandit players that are hanging around Aqueduct and also uh, betting the uh, the ponies uh, over at Belmont Park. Uh, Hollywood Park uh, had a slight dip. They were only down about 2%. Uh, attendance was off just about 1%, even though they don't have a hard uh, a lock on the figures there. Uh, of course, Hollywood was forced to cut purses in June because of lower-than-expected wagering numbers, and uh, they're going to they're gonna reopen again in, in the fall, which may be the last meet, uh, November 8th through December 16th. Of course, Del Mar, like, uh, like Saratoga, uh, is looking good. Their numbers are up after the first week. And uh, if you look, of course, at the uh, racing economic indicators, uh, June was a good month for us here. Uh, wagering on U.S. races was up 6.9%. Wagering on races here in the U.S. is up 2.3% over the entire year. All right, quickly now, let's go through some of the races that we looked at last week. Acclamation, how unbelievable is he? Last year's Eclipse Award winner is now 2 for 2 in 2012. He was ridden by p and it was just unbelievable. Uh, uh, according to Pat Valenzuela, he's going to say this, and I mean it, he's a great horse. He says, I've been on champions like Sunday Silence, Razi, Best Pal, and this horse is right there with him. Uh, this was the second year in a row that he won the Eddie Reed, uh, almost an identical time. And uh, he, it's his 11th lifetime triumph in 30 races. He's now won over $1.9 million. He joins Special Ring, Fastness, and Wicker as repeat victors in the Eddie Reed. Uh, so acclamation, he's unbelievable. Could he be running into Horse of the Year honors? We will soon find out. Eden's Moon took the San Clemente. Baffert decided to uh, switch to the turf, and his hunch paid off with Rafael Beirano in the saddle. Odds on, Eden's Moon takes the San Clemente. Then uh, we uh, go to Saratoga, the Sanford Stakes, and it was favored Burn Identity uh, getting the win. And with the new program that they have with the slots at Aqueduct, you know, if you break your maiden Aqueduct and then go on and win a graded stakes race, you get an extra $100,000 bonus, and he did. So <laughs> all I can say is trainer Kelly Breen said, thanks, Naira. Appreciate the $100,000. All right, Royal Delta, last year's uh, champion. Uh, it was a close one uh, in the Delaware Handicap. It looked like uh, she had the race pretty well in hand, and it might have been a little overconfidently ridden. Uh, she looked like an easy winner, but all of a sudden, the Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith had to get back into her with the left hand as long shot Tiz Miz Sue at 28-1 to 1 came roaring up on the outside. Royal Delta, though, uh, got it done. Only paid $3, but uh, made a lot of hearts beat hard. Uh, uh, we talked about Silver Max and how great he's going. Boy, Dale Romans is, is loaded. Uh, ridden by Robbie Alvarado. First time he tried a mile and a quarter. He had never raced more than a mile and a 16th. Had a little trouble with a horse that was really rank and getting out. Uh, because a saddle slipped on him, 
and uh, he had to uh, kind of avoid that horse. He got around it, and uh, Dale Romans gets the win. Uh, he's also won the Virginia Derby with Patty Prado and Kitten's Joy. So absolutely loaded, and we'll see how Doolahan does over the weekend. Uh, in the Coaching Club American Oaks, it was questing uh, over Zoe Impressive and the 3-2 to two favorite in lingerie. It'll be an interesting uh, Alabama stakes on August 18th. I think you'll see most of those horses back in the starting gate. And uh, just a, a quick look uh, on opening day. Uh, at Saratoga, the Schuylerville, it was so many ways. Uh, who won for Rick Dutrow? And just before that, uh, it was uh, his, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tony Dutrow won the Schuylerville, and Dick Dutrow uh, won the James Marvin. So that's a quick look at the, the biggest races and the races we handicapped here on winningponies.com. We'll be handicapping with Brad Free coming up here in about 15 minutes. But before that, we're going to talk about the nasal strip, and we're going to go to the man who is behind Flare Equine Nasal Strips, Dr. Jim Chipetta. So we'll take a little break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, coming up, a very interesting guest, uh, an inventor, uh, a veterinarian. Uh, his name is uh, Dr. Jim Chipata, 
several weeks ago, we were having, you know, I believe it was an auction here at River Downs, and a woman by the name of Nan Rawlings came up and introduced herself to me. And she says, hey, I can get you a great interview for winning ponies. Uh, if you uh, want to talk to Dr. Jim, he's the guy that invented the nasal strip. And I said, man, this will be a good one because it was only a week later that uh, we got the headlines about I'll have another and the fact that Naira wouldn't let them wear the nasal strip. We'll address that a little bit later. But right now to our audience on winningponies.com, I want to introduce you to Dr. Jim Chipata. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, John? I'm, I'm doing uh, fine as long as I stay inside the press box. There's one heck of a storm here in Cincinnati right now. I can tell you that. Well, if you would, Doctor, would you kind of uh, tell our, our, our audience uh, how you got uh, to, to become a veterinarian and kind of uh, will segue into the invention of the, of the, the nasal strip? Well, it was a long time ago now, John, um, but uh, just always involved with horses as a kid and um, uh, eventually just kind of picked my target when I was about 14 that I wanted to go into veterinary medicine and, and work on horses. Um, they were always my passion. You could give me a mean horse that was ready to kick my head off, and I was much more comfortable than a, you know, than a chihuahua that had a mean bite to him. So uh, that was just kind of my happy spot. Well, uh, obviously, where, where, where did you go and where did you start your practice? Um, I, uh, I went to school at the University of Minnesota, and I was fortunate enough to step out of school about a year before Canterbury Downs opened. And uh, we, I and a, another classmate, built a surgery clinic across from Canterbury Downs and just kind of dug in. It was a first shot at a racetrack in Minnesota, and we decided we wanted to be uh, there with a clinic right across the street. Well, you know, so much of life is, is, is right place, right time. Obviously, as a young veterinarian, one of your first uh, experiences uh, on, the, on the track was, was dealing with, with bleeders. Uh, it, how did you first approach that, and uh, how did the whole idea of the navel, nasal strip come to be? Well, I think, you know, at that time, bleeding... Um, was a bit less prevalent. Uh, it may have been going on just as much, but it, it wasn't uh, as high on everyone's radar screen. But you would have those horses that, that uh, bled frequently, and we tried a lot of different things. Um, you know, we'd, Lasix was definitely available and, and some of the estrogen compounds, but um, we were doing a lot of different things. We, we were ultrasounding the heart. We were noticing uh, in some horses at a higher incidence of bleeding, we could actually see a snowball effect in the heart, um, the blood. It looked cloudy like a snowstorm, and it got us wondering if, if they were getting some type of clotting in the lung that was um, uh, helping block airway, uh, blood vessels that then subsequently would, would blow out because they were blocked. And, um, you know, we looked at a lot of different theories, and, and I think today... Uh, we're still not quite sure. We, we have an idea of the mechanics behind it and what ultimately causes the blood vessels to fail and horses to bleed, but it is multifactorial, and there's so many different factors that, that come into play. It's not the kind of thing we believe that there's ever going to be a silver bullet, that one thing is going to stop bleeding. Everything that's out there, and there's only two things out there that have been shown repeatedly, reduce bleeding. They don't, they don't stop it. Lasix doesn't stop it. The nasal strips doesn't stop it. Um, so it's 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 a condition that uh, I've tried digging in to find out if Pony Express horses did it. 
And um, unfortunately, people didn't have endoscopes back then, and it's really hard to find any data and, and try to put together a pattern where, you know, where we first started seeing it and what kind of conditions it was associated with. Now, uh, what came first, the horse nasal strip or the athletic uh, human nasal strip? The human nasal strip came first. Now, did this did this give you an idea? Did a light go off, or, or were you seeing things as you examined horses up in their nostrils that you said uh, perhaps if they had you know more ability to get air through here, it wouldn't put as much pressure on the horse, and the horse might not bleed? What what was the genesis of, of your your idea? Well, the genesis was uh, started with uh, a partner and a good friend who um, is still an advisor to the company, uh, Dr. Ed Block who I started out with years ago in Colorado when we were interns. And um, he called me up one night. We, we've always been good friends. We'd bounce ideas around, and we lived across the country from each other, but we'd sit down and have a beer once the kids were in bed and bounce ideas around. And he, uh, he called me one night and said he woke up in the middle of the night and said, how come no, no one ever thought of a nasal strip for horses? And we we laughed about it for a few minutes, and then started thinking about, started looking at pictures of horses. And if you pay attention, uh, it's not hard to see that area of tissue that the nasal strip supports uh, getting sucked in. And, and Ed, uh, being a very astute uh, student of, of uh, just watching, standing back and watching, um, you know, had noticed this a lot and, and called me in and said, just look at this once. And we'd sit at the track, and, and it's pretty noticeable of what's going on. So we said, well, um, an easy way to do it would be to take a shot at, at trying something on the outside to support it similar to the nasal strip uh, that was used on humans. Well, I, and I think what's, what's important to, to state here is what, what you're really doing is you're looking out for the welfare of the animal, and in no way is the nasal strip uh, a performance enhancer. Right. Um, you know, that's a, that is such a slippery slope word, performance enhancer. I think, you know, we, we, we think about performance enhancing drugs, um, but then I'm not sure what performance enhancing means because I think, um, you know, certain trainers have techniques different uh, than other trainers that probably do better at enhancing performance. I think uh, horses putting shoes on enhance performance. So I think as a veterinarian, I took a, an oath that said that I'm going to make these guys run as, as good as I can. And I, I think my oath is basically to be a performance answer, enhancer. It's how you do it. And it's, it's taking these horses and keeping them in tip-top shape and feeding them right, training them right. And, and when you do all those things, yeah, you should have enhanced their performance over a horse that didn't have the opportunity to, to have uh, the same level or type of care. Well, I, I guess by, by making this statement, a performance enhancer, I guess for, uh, you know, someone just watching, you know, it's like I, I scratch my head with the whole Naira decision. What were, what, how were you affected or how did you feel about that, that whole thing that they were going to make, I'll have another take off your nasal strip? Well, I had, um, you know, we knew that New York uh, had banned the nasal strips early on when we first introduced it. Uh, back in the late 90s. And the New York Racing and Wagering Board approved the strips, and the next day, uh, no, I take that back, it was about five days later, 
Naira banned them. And um, they were going to do some studies to gather information, and we never heard any more from them. And I think I have letters as early as 2006, you know, repeatedly knocking on their doors saying, look, can we at least sit down and talk, give you a little bit of background uh, about the science behind the strips, um, the health benefits of the strips, and nobody ever responded to our letters. So when um, the Triple Crown event came about, it, it seemed like a natural segue for us if we were going to raise the issue to a higher level to, to push on it with uh, Naira and the New York Racing and Wagering Board. Um, and, um, well, we weren't, we weren't successful. I will say I have talked with the New York Racing and Wagering Board, and it's been a very good talk. Um, and um, they're asking me a lot of questions, which is uh, exactly what they should be doing. Um, is, is asking questions to understand the product because they do have an obligation to uh, weed out the chaff and make sure that uh, there's science behind it, etc. What I'm asking them to do, though, is, is uh, compare us to other devices, other equipment that's out there, and to keep the same standard for all of them. And that's where I feel that they've, they've significantly let us down and are a bit... Um, quiet on giving us reasons. <laughs> I guess that's one way of saying it, keeping us quiet. Well, uh, the, the article that was uh, penned in the, the Thoroughbred Times uh, states, uh, quite frankly, the, the, the numerous studies that, that have been done on, on your nasal strip, and from, from what is written here, it, it seems overwhelming that uh, in, in the, the treadmill studies and the stress studies uh, that they put these horses under, that, that they they benefited from the nasal strip as far as uh, the, the chance of them bleeding. Yeah, when, when we first launched the strip, we actually worked with the human breathe right people. And um, at that time, we had theories on why we, would believe, we, we believed it would have a, a benefit on bleeding. And our goal was really, um, let's look for alternatives for reducing bleeding. We know Lasix is out there. And... Um, is there a way to do it differently? That drug has been around since 1963, and that's now close to 50 years ago. Everything advances. Can we do it better? Um, and so the Breathe Right people said, look, we'd love to take this product on, but it has to do something. We had been in practice and looked at so many products, uh, which kind of come and go, that we said, we, you know, fine, let's do some studies on it. And they contacted Howard Erickson at Kansas State, who's one of the leaders, an EIPH, and to this day, Howard's become a good friend, and he says, you know, when they first brought it to me, I thought you guys were crazy. Um, and he did a study, and then uh, University of California, Davis, Michigan State, Kentucky Equine Research, as well as some follow-on studies at Kansas State, um, repeatedly um, duplicated the results. So we knew, now this isn't a fluke. Uh, it's a fluke if you have it happen once. A single study, it's when you get repeated studies with the same results that you, you look at it seriously and say, this, this is for real. Well, you, you, you certainly, you, you made a believer out of me. Obviously, many of the top trainers in the country use your product. Uh, be, before, before we go, uh, doctor, um, explain to people 
how they get them, and quite frankly, the, I think the price is, is unbelievable. It, it's anywhere between uh, eleven and and thirteen dollars and fifty cents a, a piece is, is what I'm reading. I mean, for for me, a little over ten dollar investment and the chance of my horse uh, coming out of a race better and perhaps winning a race, uh, it's a small investment. How does one a get a hold of you, and how where I, on the track do they get the nasal strips? Um, our, our website is www.flarestrips.com, and uh, if you go there, there's a, a listing of various tack shops that sell them around the country and actually around the world, but if you're having a hard time finding them, give us a call and we can direct people to them because we are a small company and it's a product that um, you you know it takes a little bit of time to build it up and get it into uh, get a distribution going to get it into shops um, and yeah we're we're trying to we manufacture in the United States we manufacture in an FDA approved facility but we're always looking at ways to uh, help bring the cost down too so that it's a it's a device uh, or tool that can be used. You know, frequently horses bleed not when you know not only when they're running, but they do to some degree all the time. And the idea is, can we just keep it at a minimal level so we can keep their lungs as healthy as possible, so that they, uh, you know, give us their best performance and for as long as possible. Well, all I can say is uh, I really uh, I admire all the work that, that you've, you've put into a product that, uh, let's face it, makes breathing easier, it reduces fatigue, uh, it shortens the recovery time of these horses that, that make our game of uh, thoroughbred racing uh, go. So, uh, uh, Dr. Jim Chapetta, my hat is off to you, and, and, I, and I wish you the best of luck, and, and I hope that uh, Naira gets their head out of their butt. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you. All right. That was uh, Dr. Jim Chiapetta, again, the inventor of the nasal strip, uh, something that you see um, so many of the top competitors around the country use and a lot of very good information and certainly anything that uh, that can help a horse. uh, We're behind it here on Winning Ponies. We're also behind... uh, my friend Brad Free that's going to give us a skinny on what's going on on the West Coast, and then I'm going to throw down the handicapping gauntlet and have him look at some of the top races on the East Coast here for our audience. So stay tuned. Get ready. Get tied on. We're going to be handicapping on Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me now from the Daily Racing Forum, he's kind of my go-to guy for information out on the West Coast. His name is Brad Free. Uh, he writes in handicaps for the Daily Racing Forum, and he's with us right now. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. We're right smack in the middle of summer, and by the time fall rolls around, all eyes in the racing world will be focused, riveted on Arcadia, California for the Breeders' Cup, which will be held this fall at Santa Anita. So we're, we're right smack in the heart of prep season right now, and the Del Mar Summer Meet just got underway. We have some terrific racing up ahead with the Bing Crosby for six, at six furlongs and the San Diego Handicap on Saturday. So some great stakes races this weekend out on the West Coast that will have a bearing on the Breeders' Cup this fall at Santa Anita. You know, it's almost like uh, we're turning a whole chapter in the book of the year 2012. I was so pleased in the spring to see so many top juveniles coming back and winning graded stakes races and ending up uh, ultimately on the on the derby trail and, and in the derby and in the Preakness. And, and then slowly now, one by one, uh, they're starting to, to, to fall off the shelf. And it, it's almost like with Saratoga and Del Mar opening, it, it's as if we've opened up a second season and really opened up the door to a, a potential uh, three-year-old champion uh, that that didn't win uh, a classic race. Well, you know, thank goodness that the whole Triple Crown Trail is behind us because there has been so much hand-wringing and tension and publicity generated on these three-year-olds trying to get to the Kentucky Derby. And here we are, you know, the Belmont Stakes was just run a couple weeks ago, and all three Triple Crown winners are already retired. All have another one, the Derby. And Prickness, he's gone. Union Rags won the Belmont Stakes. He's gone. John, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm, but it's true. I think there is way too much attention focused on that one single race that is almost impossible to win. The Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and Belmont that follow it uh, are not the end all in horse racing. And as much fun as they are, and as much fun as they are to handicap, and if you like to all have another, like I did this spring at 15 to 1, you cash tonight's bet. But these three-year-olds that jam through the Triple Crown races pay the price with the, the non-career they have in the second half of their three-year-old season and even into the four- and five-year-old season. So I'm glad that the page has turned because these older horses, they're going to stick around for a while, and they're fun to watch, and we have some terrific racing to look forward to this summer. By the way, I just got a text message from John Asher. He said, don't even apply for credentials next year. Uh, well, I never do, but I always <laughs> contribute my labor to Mr. Asher every spring. I'm one of the three-man committee that uh, does the Kentucky Derby future wager pool, so I've been doing that gratis for the last 15 years. So uh, uh, believe me, I, if I have a favor to ask, I'm not going to be shy, and I'm sure that Mr. Asher would not would be perfectly willing to accommodate me. Uh, John's a great guy. I say that in jest because of the way you postured yourself. Uh, on that reply. But, you know, it, it is interesting, though. It, it, it does look like 2011 
produced us with a really nice crop of, of older horses that have been uh, competing against each other, and we're going to get a chance to, to handicap a, a, a few of them. Uh, and and we've, we saw a few, you know, run run last week, too. So it, it is kind of neat that at least that generation has produced some uh, some solid older horses. And, uh, again, like I said, we're going we're to look at some of those horses. And one that's just been amazing is Ama Zombie uh, that's going to go to post Sunday in the grade one Bing Crosby. Uh, but uh, it, while it's a very short field, uh, it looks like uh, this is like a showdown at the OK Corral here uh, with the factor in there. I mean, how, how do you uh, measure uh, these two horses? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you're right. You've identified the two main con- contestants in the Bing Crosby. It's race eight on Sunday at Del Mar, six furlongs, grade one, $300,000. And Amazombi, you know, at this point in, his, in the season last year, he was making his seventh start of 2011, and he was just becoming, uh, you know, just joining the, the radar, so to speak. This year has been a little bit different story. Amazombi's only started three times. He's only won one of those races. He shifted Churchill Downs and ran second in an outstanding Churchill Downs handicap, defeated by Schaffelberg, who came Absolutely. back to win in that mile. But with Amazombie, the, the, the problem with, with him in this spot is this. Amazombie's preferred footing is natural, conventional, old-fashioned dirt which is not to say that he is entirely ineffective on synthetic. He started six times on synthetic. He has two wins, three third-place finishes. But his best surface, the surface on which he is most comfortable, is dirt. The Del Mar Polytrack is as far removed from dirt as you can possibly get. Meanwhile, you have the factor who can run on just about anything given the right circumstances, a la an outside draw. When the factor is drawn outside, he can set the pace or press or sit comfortably in second in the clear and go when it's time to go. At seven furlongs, he's unbeatable. Six furlongs is a little bit shorter than the factor prefers, but he can handle the footing. And his most recent start in the triple bend handicap on June 30th at Hollywood Park, even though he finished second as the four to five favorite, was arguably one of the best races of his career. He went 44 and four and just couldn't quite uh, match strides late with the opportunistic closer named Camp Victory, but the factor finished more than five links clear of third, and I think that he has the advantage over Amazombie for a couple reasons. A, footing, and B, where he's drawn outside. He's going to get the jump on Amazombie, and Amazombie's going to have to try to run down a very, very good horse. You see, Winning Ponies listeners, this is why we have Brad Free on. Uh, as, as he makes that statement, I look down, and I look at the last two times that the factor drew the one hole. It was at the ancient title at Santa Anita and the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile at Churchill Downs and did not hit the board in either race. That is a very astute observation, Mr. Free. Well, I've, I've watched this horse enough that I've probably lost a couple of tickets on him, too, trying to make him do something he's uncomfortable doing, which has been a sprint race after breaking from the rail. But he doesn't have to break from the rail on Sunday. He's out in post number four. Bob Baffert's just been on an absolute tear. He had a very impressive comeback winner on Thursday. The winner of the 2011 Haskell, Coyle, made a triumphant return in an allowance race. So the factor trained by Baffert. Baffert has another horse in the race that's kind of interesting, 
horse named Capital Account, who's drawn in post five. He's ha- he has the highest last race buyer speed figure in the field, the 108 buyer in an allowance uh, win over Hollywood Park. And I wouldn't put I wouldn't put put it past Baffert for possibly springing an upset uh, with Capital Account, but truly the Factor and Amazombie are the two stars of the thing Crosby. Yeah, and they really uh, they've been some of the. Uh, the older stars uh, of uh, of this season, and I'm looking forward to watching them race all year. Now, uh, I've got about four minutes that we can break down the San Diego Handicap, another race that uh, was brought together a talented but not deep field. Uh, but before I go there, Brad, can you tell me, it, are there any traditional biases as we handicappers look at Del Mar, or does it change from season to season or from week to week? Yeah, that's a very good question, and it does change season to season. And oddly enough, this year, curiously enough, this poly track in 2012 has played quick, it's played fast, and it has been conducive to speed. If you're not in the front flight in a sprint race, you have no chance. Once upon a time, uh, early in the poly track era and even back in the dirt era at Del Mar, Rally-wide closers would win sprints all day long. That has not happened through the first seven days of racing. Every, well, I shouldn't say every single, but near more than 90% of the sprint races, and we've only had a couple dozen so far, have been won by horses on or near the lead. It's a very bizarre surface, and if you like it, you're up close, and if you don't like it, you're out the back, and it's very difficult to win a sprint race rallying from behind. Around two turns, John, it seems to be relatively fair. The horses have won from off the pace. They have won on the lead, and there appears to be no bias. But so far in 2012, sprint, just remember this, sprint speed. Speed wins sprints at Del Mar so far a week and a half into the summer meet. Well, thank you for sharing that with our audience. You know, I believe it was you that shared some information with me that uh, a couple jocks were working out a horse for Bob Baffert earlier in the season, and uh, they, they thought that he was one of his better horses, but the horse hadn't gotten out. The horse's name name was Painter, and uh, obviously Painter's turned out to be a pretty nice horse. I think it was you that gave me that information. So there's a question I've got for you as we now uh, have about two minutes to handicap the uh, the San Diego handicap. Uh, you're a behind-the-scenes guy. You seem to know what is the story behind take control here's a horse that comes out and runs eyes out and it's made in special weight but that was in december of 09 rather than find a small farm that would want a son of uh, ap india stud out of azari this horse stays in training for three years and comes back and records a 99 buyer in its return what's the deal with take control who'll be making his second lifetime start he's two for two in the san diego handicap there's got to be a great story well there is a story there bob baffert plays it pretty close close to the best when it comes to uh specifying the injuries or the reasons for layoffs in the case of take control you know, I'm not, I was not as enamored with his comeback win as many other handicappers. Um, I, it was a race that fell apart up front. The one, two finishers rallied from the back. The, the horse that he beat, Sean Washington, returned last weekend to, to run absolutely awful um, in a race that looked like he was supposed to win. So I still have a lot of questions regarding Kate Control. As far as the reason why he's not, he's was out for three years, that's a good question for Bob Baffert. But he did bring the horse back off a long layoff. He got there first. He's now two for two. And if this son of 
two horses of the year, AP Indy and Azari, can stay sound. Capital and owner Kaleem Shaw will have a lot of fun with him. But this is a very tough race to San Diego. I look for Trace Barachos to spring an upset at odds of 8-1. to one. He won this race last year. Yes, he, he did. He prep race uh, in, in, last month at Hollywood Park, and he is sitting on go for this race. He's a big number at 8-1. to one. Uh, you know, again, I, probably the, the two that will come on uh, up on top and perhaps be over bet to give give you that uh, chance with Trey Barachos uh, would be uh, Kettle Corn and Prayer for Relief, who have been uh, banging their head, running against one of the best horses. Uh, again, another really good older horse, uh, Game On Dude. I, I would expect they're going to get most of the action at the windows. Well, Game On Dude's the top older horse in the country on the main track, as far as I'm concerned. I believe he's at the top of the NTRA poll also. As far as 8-1 to one on Trace Barachos, I don't think we're going to get that. I'm looking for maybe half that. I think that he's going to end up being one of the favorites. The numbers that Kettle Corn earns and the numbers that John Scott and Prayer for Relief earn put them in the ballpark with Trace Barachos. But if you go back to Trace Barachos' best form, his speed figures are faster than Kettle Corn and Prayer for Relief. That's uh, factoring in the weights. So I, I use thoroughbred figures and buyer speed figures, and Trace Barachos is arguably the fastest horse in the San Diego, and his form is a little bit hidden. It's a little bit obscure. He doesn't get to the wire first off, and he's only 4 for 39, but he's on go for the San Diego on Saturday. And a win in here uh, would uh, would put him over the million dollar mark. Well, that's we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to come back to uh, arguably two of the the biggest races on the East Coast uh, this week, and that would be the Haskell Invitational and the Jim Dandy, the three year olds. Again, is this the second chapter of 2012? We'll find out. We'll find out who Brad Free likes right after this break. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life. From Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of the most articulate racing form writers, 
of his generation. Brad Free is with us, and now I'm going to take him just a little bit out of his element. I mean, he still does work with uh, HRTV, so he's got to track the horses on the East Coast, but he's really got the inside skinny on those horses along the Pacific Ocean there. And we're going to go to a, a race that uh, has produced some amazing horses over its 45 runnings, and that's the Haskell Invitational. Uh, this has been kind of an interesting chess game, hasn't it, as far as is, is Hanson coming, is Jamologist coming, uh, Dula, I mean, it's just we really didn't know until about a week ago who was actually going to show up to this race, even though it's well, worth a million dollars. It, it kind of speaks to the fragility of some of these three-year-olds. In fact, the best three-year-old that's still in training, in my opinion, is not going to be in this race either. He's stapled back out here in California because he got sick, and that's the horse to finish second in the Derby and Preakness, a fast horse by the name of Bodemeister. Uh, you know, you're right about you know a little bit of lack of familiarity with Monmouth Park, but looking through this field of six runners in the Haskell, John, and half the field's coming from California, so I better have something somewhat intelligent to say about some of these horses. <laughs> it's missing the superstars. The, the Derby and Preakness uh, winner is gone. The Belmont winner's gone. Bodie Meister's not here. The Hansons are always fun to watch. He's going to run in the West Virginia Derby. So what we're left with is kind of a workman-like group, and gemologist, his, his only blemish is that he lost the Kentucky Derby. He came out of that with a minor injury, and he's back in training. But I think there might be an up-and-comer in this race, and his name is Nonios. He's trained by Jerry Hollendorfer. I loved him last time out in the grade two swap stakes. That was on the 4th of July at Hollywood Park. And it, the race unfolded at a snail-like pace, and Nonios was too far back and had too much to do in the lane. And the winner, Blue Skies and Rainbows, there's that guy Baffert again, went wire to wire, setting a slow pace. Nonios ran as well as he could run under the circumstances. They went three quarters in 112 and four, and finished in 58 and four on the cushion track at Hollywood Park. So Nonios was trying to make up ground chasing that slow-paced front-runner. Now, looking through the field for the Haskell, this race is not exactly loaded with speed. Painter is fast enough to make the front, but he's not a real burner. Handsome Mike can get out there, and he's probably going to set the pace. I think it's going to be a little bit quicker than Nonios chased last time out in the swaps and at odds of 7-2, to two, improving each and every start. This lightly raced son of Pleasantly Perfect, he's flying below the radar a little bit, but I think that he's ready to bust through, and I hope that Dohan takes all the money, because I, I'm convinced he's a synthetic and or turf horse, but uh, trainer Dale Romans continues to run him in dirt races, and I just don't quite understand the reason why. I know he finished third in the Kentucky Derby, but his best races have been on surfaces other than dirt. Well, um, again, uh, you pointed out the, the, the chink in Doolahan's armor may be a main track. It may be the chink in Nonios's armor. I just think, in my humble opinion, that Todd Pletcher's got that foot bruise uh, fixed on Gemologist. Uh, he's been putting in... Uh, Bullet Works at the training track at Saratoga, and as you know, this time of year when you're the best of 43, there were 42 other really solid horses that worked that distance that day. Uh, I, I put my money on uh, Gemologist and my name out there in the Kentucky Derby, and I'm going to do it again. I just got a feeling that the, this, this horse is, is right again, and he's going he's to show really who he is. Well, any horse that wins the first five starts of, of his career, including the grade one with Memorial, you really can't knock too much. 
However, looking back on the horses that he ran against, I mean, he beat Alpha by a neck, and he beat Currency Swap, and ever so lucky. These None of these three-year-olds that he beat really came back to, to do a whole heck of a lot of anything on the national stage. So in the case of Jamologist, his workouts speak to how well he's doing. And in fact, trainer Todd Pletcher originally was pointing him to the Jim Dandy and decided to go for the big money for the million-dollar payoff in the Haskell. But I think Jamologist still has questions to answer regarding his actual class. And not that there's any superstars in this field either. Uh, we talked about that already. But Jamologist, at this point in his career, my opinion, John, is that I think he still has something to prove the same as every other horse in this race. Well, yeah, I'm kind of going with the, with the, the, the chess match. And the fact that Todd Pletcher uh, decided to move him to this race tells me a lot. And also, let's see, my producer's telling me we only got two minutes to close out the Jim Dandy stakes, so I'm going to have to put your feet to the fire here, Brad. No problem at all. I think that this it's a two-horse race between a very fast shipper from Churchill Downs by the name of Neck and Neck. He earned a 101 buyer speed figure and a 102 buyer speed figure back-to-back. Those were both at Churchill Downs. She ships in sharp to Saratoga. And then I like the California shipper liaison who did the exact same thing that we, uh, Nonos tried to do in the swaps. Rally from behind a slow pace. And he did well. He rallied from last to finish third, being less than a length. Liaison back on conventional dirt on Saturday at Saratoga. And I think that he's ready to, to move forward. So I'll be going with the Churchill Downs shipper neck and neck and the California shipper liaison in that order. <laughs> well, I, I could certainly see your rationale, and, and, and now, now that you, you've uh, pretty much dissed my gemologist pick, I'll just throw Alpha right out of there. <laughs> I'd probably put gemologist right in the winner's circle. You can thank me later. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've just shared uh, the last uh, 24 minutes with uh, uh, Brad Free, one of the best handicappers uh, out on the West Coast. Enjoy reading him in the Daily Racing Forum. Brad, thanks so much for uh, joining us on Winning Ponies tonight. Oh, you're welcome, John. Anytime, and good luck with Jamologist. Okay. All right. I'll be talking to you. Well, anyhow, that was, uh, again, Daily Racing Forum, Brad's free. Uh, don't forget, go to winningponies.com. There's a fantastic blog called Murderer's Row, penned by Ed Meyer. You've got to read this. It is fantastic. There's more than just uh, handicapping information out there. There's some great blogs out there, too. So, anyhow, for, uh, for Brad Free, uh, Dr. Jim Chiapetta, And for my producer, Matt Widener, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.